listening to the What Even Is Fashion Technology podcast, and in this episode, you'll hear from Lily Eva Barther, who is the founder and CEO of Genera, as well as an award-winning digital fashion and XR specialist with a scientific and design background. And since 2020, her digital innovation studio has assisted several fashion, gaming, and entertainment businesses to enter the digital space. And Lily was also the first ever artist in residence in digital fashion at the Amsterdam University of Applied Sciences. She's developed Beyond Vision, a VR project scoping immersive fashion design that features everyday interactions with outfits, even to the very extent of growing them digitally using biological algorithms. And then this experience with the studio alongside the feedback from users of Beyond Vision inspired Lily to translate her ideas into a concept that today forms the foundations of Genera. Her engagement with young design students while lecturing and researching new media and digital fashion at a number of universities worldwide has helped her to refine this vision and kick off the development of Genera as a commercial product. Lily's dream is to contribute to fashion with innovative tools and platforms to create a better, more democratic, more accessible future for physical, digital and beyond. Lily explains how her platform is a symbol of self-expression and Janira's mission is to enable creators to explore and express their virtual identity within online virtual worlds through the power of digital fashion. Janira has developed an immersive direct-to-avatar design studio that champions creativity, collaboration and individuality. I think this episode really helps explain what is next for digital fashion and how it can really bring value to the industry so I really hope you enjoy and I cannot wait to hear what you think hi I'm very good thank you and thanks so much for having me today on the show yeah no really excited to have you on I think your brand sounds really interesting and what you're doing so I'm really excited to hear about it so first of all start by introducing yourself and what it is that you do yeah, sure. Um, so hi, everyone. I'm Lily. I'm the founder and CEO of Genera. And we are a fashion technology startup revolutionizing how virtual self-expression can be uh, done in the metaverse. We want to democratize how digital fashion can be designed for direct uh, to avatar platforms. Um, and I am um, an XR specialist and digital fashion advisor in a number of different scenarios and business settings. Wow. So can you just remind me again how you pronounce your brand? So it's genera and it's coming from generation or generate. So it's really kind of inspired by the idea of we want to incentivize people to create, to generate themselves, uh, to be, you know, uh, creatives and start thinking limitless in the digital. Uh, So it's kind of a wordplay, but honestly, how you say it right, uh, written, it's really hard to pronounce. I know that. (laughs) But you know what, when I saw it, having the number in the word is very futuristic and then kind of fits into a digital fashion brand. Like that's what I thought. So I think it works. Yeah. And now I know how to pronounce it. (laughs) Yes. Yes. But obviously, so you're into digital fashion and I want to explore that fully. But before that, I want to know what was your journey before starting your brand and getting into digital fashion? I know you studied applied mathematics uh, but you also have a master's in fashion so can you explain your journey before this yeah absolutely um it's a little bit of a weird one and I think um it's still 
quite unique. So I'm very, very thankful for life that somehow I ended up where I am after the journey I had. Um, so my whole family is made out of scientists, mathematicians and physicists. It was quite um, obvious that I will follow that footstep. And to be fair, I love mathematics. It's a beautiful kind of scientific language that describes everything in nature and in the world. And I think um, those who really, truly understand and appreciate it, they have this amazing ability to um kind of understand processes or be able to overview systems better and believe me this helped me enormously on on the whole career journey I have uh, kind of uh, encountered in the last couple of years because mathematics is about definitions it's about kind of trying to describe uh, certain phenomena and we continuously question why things are how they are so we can kind of make our own systems our own definitions and I think that's a great kind of ability to have but um it wasn't creative enough for me as much as I love the beauty of algorithms. I kind of always missed a little bit more kind of creative hands-on activities. So I bought a sewing machine. I taught myself how to sew. Uh, I bought some random fabrics. I wasn't even aware of if they're made for outfits or tablecloth. Um, and then I just started making dresses because I literally ran out of dresses to wear. In my 20s, I was really a party girl. Uh, and silly as it sounds, actually, that was the first step towards a journey where through fashion I managed to express myself better and I managed to convey my thoughts my stories and my emotions through what I wore and I decided that's quite fun so um, I'm a person of radical extremes so I decided that I want to become a digital fashion designer oh sorry back then it was just a traditional fashion designer and I would like to have my own brand and when I decide something, I go and do something about it. So I applied uh, to a school in Denmark and then I moved there uh, to become a fashion designer. And then um, when I finished my BA education, I opened my label and I was about to jump into proper production. Uh, I think it was quite interesting, the type of fashion I produced, uh, very visually vibrant and very kind of out there. But I felt the need that I need to understand better what this actual landscape uh, is about that I'm going to enter as a business stakeholder. So I decided to study one more uh, course and that's when I arrived to London to do my MA at the Royal College of Art. And that's when I also realized that actually that system, that landscape I'm about to enter as a, as a fashion brand is not really the most uh, sustainable and most positive one. So now I stop here because this is where I kind of pivoted towards the digital landscape but I will let you uh, kind of ask more questions. Wow that's a very interesting story so when you shifted from studying mathematics to fashion was there any regrets or were you happy with your decision? Oh, um, to be fair, I spent ages studying, you know, from books in libraries and kind of writing equations and, and lots of theorems and proofs. And there was a big shift uh, moving from books and, and whiteboards to a sewing machine, to a scissor, to actual physical work. During my fashion years, I sometimes even slept in the school next to the sewing machine just for two hours so that I can wake up again and, you know, continue stitching my outfits, which I found quite, you know, um, contrasting to the, I guess, uh, more mind work that we performed as scientists. So sometimes I was missing that because 
because, you know, it's quite an extreme change. But then I think it was also refreshing because you literally make things happen with your hands. I did a lot of haute couture embroidery. I interned and worked at some uh, haute couture fashion houses in London, Paris and India. So I was really hands on with my physical fashion making. And I think it was actually a very beautiful journey of getting lost in the physicalities of fashion, of working directly on bodies, on real bodies and mannequins. Uh, but I think towards my master course, when I realized <clears throat> that um, that this system, that this landscape needs some kind of change and from my end that might not be physical, I started realizing that actually in science, you know, I had the freedom of thinking without any kind of physical implications, without any kind of, um, I guess, output that would not be needed. So I started missing how could I bring back the power of the thought and the power of reinventing systems, uh, definitions, and kind of reappropriating what fashion really is. So I think towards the end of my master is when I really realized that perhaps the way forward would be merging both backgrounds of mine, both the thinking and the kind of abstract uh, word view, and the physical making, and that little kind of physical pain that sewing for 12 hours a day can represent. It's almost like you were meant to do this, like to have your background in mathematics, to have that way of thinking and then to see the negative effects that physical fashion has and then bring positive change from your existing knowledge. So when you were doing your master's and then, so you're saying sustainability was the issue that you saw with the conventional industry. Yes, partially sustainability. So, um, but the other side was the social aspect because I think it's important to remember that um, fashion is the second most productive industry in the world quite quite sad um but it has also very kind of heavy footprint on kind of the social background so how you know the whole physical supply chain is set up and how that trees and treats employees but also how actually fashion companies fashion hierarchies are built and for me seeing that firsthand working at a number of bigger fashion houses as well as you know building up my own brand i couldn't have but notice that this kind of hierarchy and the model of the lone gene with you know the creative director on the top of these companies and having hundreds of little hands under this person but not really truly recognized acknowledged uh, and also a lack of equality and a bit more democratic approach in these hierarchies it, it was kind of all a bit too much for me and I actually was about to leave the system I was about to go back to science uh, between the first and second year of my master uh, because I just didn't know what I can do about this but then I realized that the power is in my hands with the unusual thinking that science gave me actually I can reappropriate how I see this industry how I see the issues that in, uh, unsustainable uh, processes impose on us as well as the negative societal impact how could systems be reinvented that they are more equal they're more transparent and how can we approach overproduction and overconsumption for example with digital tools to kind of reduce that negative impact so for me societal and environmental issues together kind of uh, rose a couple of red flags that uh, kind of pivoted my career. Mm, I really like how you've brought that up because I think when you're in university doing your bachelor's or master's in fashion whatever it is that you're doing you don't you're not really taught about exactly what you're saying that when you do enter the industry especially if you work for a big 
brand you very much start at the bottom which is understandable and you do it in every industry but it is sometimes hard in bigger brands to make an impact especially if you are passionate about things like sustainability things like this so I think instead of being tainted by the industry I love how you were like no I can't be in this or need to make change and I'm glad that you decided the second option of using your (laughs) mind and like what you already know to make positive change And so now I want to talk about digital fashion, obviously, because it's still something that, um, yeah, unless you're in it, you don't, a lot of people still don't know about it. So how did you first learn about digital fashion? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, It's such an interesting topic because I feel like I'm in a bubble. Um, I wake up with digital fashion. I go to bed with digital fashion. I continuously think and talk about digital fashion. And then, you know, for example, going home for the holidays is a great opportunity to remind me that actually um, the biggest amount of population is not really aware of it or they cannot really fully understand it just yet. So it's a a nice thing to pop that bubble. Uh, So it's a great question. Um, I think uh, for me, the change came when I was thinking how I could still express my stories and my emotions through um, through wearables, but perhaps without their actually being physical. It was 2019, so way before the pandemic, and um, I just decided to watch some YouTube tutorials and kind of build my own virtual reality project around how you can create a virtual reality fashion wardrobe. Uh, I know it's kind of a deep dive from, okay, I don't want to be part of the physical system. Well, then let's put on a headset. It wasn't an escape move, but it do- did end up really kind of accelerating into all right well I did a virtual reality project you can wear outfits by wearing the headset Uh, what else can we do that is a bit more accessible so I took a step back and in 2020 I started discovering how you can make digital clothing very accurately so obviously I started using the industry standard software for 3D modeling of physical outfits Um, they're still designed around precision they are made to replicate physical garments to the highest details which is quite beautiful and very useful for many companies so because I became an expert in that along with other software gradually for example um, digital human uh, design software like avatar creators as well as generalist 3d software to make embellishments and any kind of animations motion graphics that enabled me to have an inventory of skills that many companies back then were really desperate to have so it was a perfect opportunity to kind of open my digital studio Uh, even when I was still a student and started doing freelancing work. And mostly that was revolving around uh, physically kind of transforming the outfits, sorry, digitally transforming physical outfits uh, into digital prototypes or even high definition final samples that can uh, businesses use for further promotion or just showcasing their colorways of a different style. So digital fashion entered my kind of uh, perception of fashion as a kind of furthering of our physical system and how they can be implemented into the supply and the value chain of different businesses. But thankfully, throughout that year, well, very sadly, the pandemic arrived and obviously the demand incredibly increased around, okay, well then let's do even more of this because now as businesses, their physical supply chain processes were heavily disrupted. So they couldn't really showcase their uh, fashion collections anymore or let alone prototype and sample. So there was a lot of digital prototyping to be made by smaller studios like mine. 
which I think is an interesting start for digital fashion. And to be fair, if you look at the general audience, most of them probably can wrap their head around the notion of digital fashion through this example by saying, you know, it will look exactly the same, but it will be digital and it can help someone across the globe to understand something around this outfit that they would otherwise only be able to do if somebody sends them physically the outfits or let alone manufacture them. So I think this is a great kind of introduction into what digital fashion can be. But obviously, we have seen it in the last couple of years, how the trajectory of using this software led to a much kind of expansive understanding of what digital fashion is. So today is much more around, you know, our presence and our uh, kind of engagement is increasingly spent on online platforms. And we are um, all about kind of self-expression. We want to communicate to others, to society, who we are as a person, what is our individual kind of preferences and choices. And through digital fashion, a.k.a. digital wearables in certain scenarios, we can do that on digital platforms, just like in physical platforms, because, well, physical platforms it's called life. But if you think about your daily life, you wake up, you put on some outfits, you choose how to drink your coffee. There's a lot of choices uh, that accompany your whole day through what you kind of establish your personality to yourself and to society. And on digital platforms, the same thing happens. Obviously, we are all aware that digital platforms are a bit more limited because they are experienced through digital means that the platform depends on, for example, your mobile phone or a digital screen. So obviously, how self-expression transforms from the physical world will be heavily dependent on these devices. And most often, uh, we can see each other through for example, avatars, where obviously the digital fashion aspect is the wearable asset on your avatar. So I think it's a beautiful kind of expansion of the very notion of what digital fashion started off as being and what is it today. I think it's a means of self-expression, both in the physical and in the digital world. Mm. So when you think of digital fashion, are you thinking of something that is 100% digital or are you thinking of it being something that coexists with a physical garment or both? Oh, that's a very good question. So if we say digital fashion, I think the name implies that most people would think it stays in the digital. I would rather say that obviously we could use this word digital, which I think has been used a lot in the last couple of years as a description of something combining physical and digital or in between the two. Um, I don't like labels. Again, I'm a mathematician and my job is not really to put labels on things, but to kind of define and describe them, you know, through systems. So in my eyes, um, fashion through digital means are all about how we experience them and how we consume them and use them and share them. So if you are consuming a digital item on a digital-only platform that will only exist in your browser, for example, a social platform like Decentraland, then it will be always digital. But there are also opportunities to wear digital outfits on your phone as a filter that kind of merges your kind of physical presence and that momentarily image making with the digital items. So then it suddenly becomes some kind of an in-between asset. And then, of course, there are also opportunities where a physical item has some kind of embedded technology that connects it to a digital item that's often working with decentralized methods where for example, physically imprinted NFT kind of connections 
connect a physical item, or for example, a hoodie, to a digital twin, as well as something minted on the blockchain. So I think there are many versions of how the physical and the digital connects in a digital fashion project or a digital fashion asset. Um, I'm much more interested in understanding who is the audience or, or consumer or user who will engage with it, what is their agenda, how will they experience it, wear it and use it. And I think then that determines the kind of ratio of how much physical and how much digital impact uh, technologies will have on the asset itself. Yeah. So like you said, you're trying to understand for the consumer how they will use this. In your opinion, there's obviously all these use cases for digital fashion, 100% digital and fidgetly. But what is your, what do you think is the number one benefit of purely digital fashion for consumers? Wow. So number one, I'm not very good in prioritizing, let alone choosing one. Um, but if we go back to my main kind of agenda around why I became a digital expert, it's all about reducing overproduction and overconsumption of physical items. Uh, there are many statistics that show that, for example, fast fashion items are often bought by a certain geodemographics um, to be worn once on social media, and then it's discarded, and most of them that ends up in landfills. So for me, this is a huge issue, and I want to address it. And I think that the priority for me on why or how I'm advocating for digital fashion is creating scenarios and use cases where people can kind of understand it better, implement it into their daily lives better. Uh, it becomes a bit more widespread. And then on the long term, perhaps it can substitute those consumption behavior where physical items would be bought. I know this is a long shot because it will take a lot of time five to 10 years, but we have to start somewhere. So even with the startup I'm leading today, we are enabling audiences uh, worldwide to engage with digital fashion in a new, unseen and interactive way. And by this, we want to bring them closer to what digital fashion is and what it can be in their daily lives. I would like to see digital fashion integrate into the daily lives of almost everyone on the planet who wants to kind of engage with it or who has the opportunity to engage with it. Um, and on the long term, I would like them to kind of um, change their mindset around how they approach physical fast fashion compared to digital consumable fashion. You obviously have so much knowledge about this. Do you think it was your experience in the conventional fashion industry that helped you understand these technologies so quickly and in so much depth? Or do you think it was your background, um, more scientific background or both? Uh, I think it's hard to say. I think um, I'm very good in learning. Honestly, um, some people are talented in ice skating or atom physics, but I am talented in learning. I just love it. I'm like a sponge and I absorb anything. So I think what really helped me is my curiosity, my openness to learn, my willingness to jump into completely unfamiliar territories and with the help of YouTube or um, or amazing professionals from my network or amazing tutors, I've actually just opened up my brain and kind of absorbed around 15 to 20 different software, a lot of theoretical thinking. 
probably the theoretical thinking around how to build experiences, especially immersive experiences, where we give more opportunity for the user to engage real time with the experience that I think today is um, kind of a very significant new media tool for lots of business stakeholders to reach out to new audiences. I think when it comes to the theoretical background of building this, how you're going to craft a story, a narrative, how you are going to onboard the user, what they will do, how can you analyze their behavior from an emotional perspective. For that, for sure, my scientific background helped me enormously because I could analyze these things and I could build systems and methodologies. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to creativity. And uh, I'm very visual. And I think the digital space, obviously, as I mentioned before, due to its limitation, it has a lot of impact on the visual sensorial experience you have. So I think uh, that visual aspect of any kind of experience or asset creation was heavily impacted uh, by my creative vision as a fashion designer, as a visual artist. If you look at my old collections, they are basically covered in huge prints. For me, uh, kind of graphic graphic art is how I can communicate best my feelings. And the beauty of these digital spaces or digital experiences that we can move beyond to the images in that kind of visual communication language and we can kind of create whole 3D universes where the user can freely expand and explore the same kind of visual story just in a spatial and immersive way. So I think uh, fashion background and the scientific background together influenced a lot my creative practice and yeah it is definitely a unique combination so I think it's a big advantage in the landscape I am right now in. Mm. So from what you're saying I understand that you believe that digital fashion can help aid designers become more creative with the fashion pieces they create is that what you think? I mean absolutely it digital the digital space uh, I find the beauty of it really in the fact that it's never finished, it's never done, because if you change something on it, it's still as much as a finished piece as before. I think it gives us the opportunity to have an ever-evolving design process. And I think that iterative nature of a digital product or a digital experience is an incredible tool for anyone who wants to be creative in kind of exploring their ideas and experimenting. I do come from a background where I was surrounded by designers, but I hope I'm heading to a landscape where everyone can embrace their own creativity. I don't really want to distinguish between fashion designers and non-fashion designers. I'm not saying everyone can or should be a fashion designer. I simply move beyond that and I look at people as creatives. Everyone has uh, some level of creativity and I think it's only the platforms, the lack of platforms that's holding back a global audience to kind of express their creativity. So I think the digital realm can facilitate a global audience's creativity awakening in a way, but the platforms that will enable that that are much needed to be built. Do you think that if someone wanted to get into digital fashion, that they don't need a background in conventional fashion, they can simply dive straight into the digital space? Well, hopefully that will be the 
case soon. Um, the hesitation in my voice comes from, again, looking at the tools and platforms that currently facilitate digital fashion creation. So um, the most used software that are able to produce physical garments, sorry, digital garments, are actually, as I mentioned, are designed for more industry professionals who are using these tools to replicate physical outfits or build purely digital outfits, but to a high level of precision. You need to have a certain level of technical affinity to be able to use the software because the user interface and the interactions are definitely, um, how to say, more on the overwhelming scale of the uh, of the possibilities. And also you need to kind of understand how to build patterns. So physical outfits are built of 2D patterns that you carefully craft um, both with computers or by hand. And I think in today's platforms, that's still very much needed. So I find that there is a huge lack of tools that can enable users without this knowledge to perform creative activities on digital outfits as well. Of course, um, um, many people ask me, all right, so how are you proposing to solve this? How could people without pattern and technical knowledge actually create to a really extensive level digital outfits? And my answer is that creation from scratch compared to customization is actually in the digital space a really kind of interesting topic because I think the definitions are blurring. I don't think we definitely need to build outfits from scratch. I don't think for a general audience who wants to become a digital fashion creator, not necessarily a designer, but take part in the creative process, I don't think that they want to go to the you know total zero ground to build a garment up from it. I think that there are very clever ways where co-creation or hyper-customization can be facilitated with the right tools, with some easy-to-use interactions, with user-friendly interfaces, with accessible gamified features that make the very experience of co-creation very enjoyable, stress-free, much more playful than a certain kind of 3D software that is very like goal-oriented in its design. So I think that, yes, everyone will be able to take part in this creative process. But again, I wouldn't say that they will become digital fashion designers because I do think that that terminology for me is outdated. I would like to incentivize everyone to be interested in becoming creative and look for tools where they can do that. There are more and more, like our startup as well. Uh, but I definitely think that we are still in a very early stage of the revolution of these platforms and how can and these design interactions reappropriated and kind of reinvented that it's truly addressing a global audience. How far do you think we are away from this? And how far do you think, do you think it's realistic that the majority of conventional fashion consumers are going to make this digital shift in their minds? Do you think like, how do you actually see that going from a realistic yeah. standpoint? Yeah, no, that's really interesting because the question is, do people actually really want to do this or not? Or did I just make it up? So I've had this luxurious position in the last couple of years to uh, kind of interact with the emerging audience, so obviously Gen Z, a lot through different kind of uh, artist residencies as well as uh, visiting an associate lectureship around the world in a number of universities where I was teaching digital fashion, new media, computer animation, immersive experiences, AR and VR. Um, so I could kind of follow the 
thinking and their journey on how this new kind of generation is approaching the virtual self-expression and how are they eager to take more part in it. And I think especially those who are already consuming fashion in a certain way, for them, when they are present in the digital space, it's um, even more important to have more control over how are they seen, how are they perceived. And uh, when I started building the actual company that I'm leading today, when I moved away from the studio model towards a product model, it was still very early. So there were not many market statistics or uh, reports on this type of consumer segment. But thankfully, this year, there has been a boom of uh, publications. One of my favorite is the Roblox Parsons report on fashion metaverse trends. I can highly recommend it. it um, and it really nicely describes that typical segment I have been exploring through a number of different channels. Um, Gen Z audiences are really eager to connect more with their virtual self-expression. Often the virtual um, self has a more impact on their daily lives, how they can change it, alter it, customize it, uh, further express themselves through preferential choices on their daily lives than your physical presence, which I find not shocking, but quite surprising or quite impactful. If you really think about this, um, it would mean that your physical life compared to your daily life has a different importance for these younger audiences. So I do think that they are really eager to engage with new tools and if you look at the kind of trends and the landscape user generated content creation is on the rise there is a lot of initiative around users wanting to make things publish things, distribute things amongst each other, monetize their creation. Uh, these are user-led economies. For example, Roblox is a thriving example of how you know a player can actually monetize on their activities in the game by trading their creations to other users within the game. Um, so I think that there is a great um, kind of obvious tendency on how this user-generated content creation landscape is going to skyrocket in the coming years. If you look at the direct to avatar economy, it's forecasted to be one of the biggest digital economies to come in the next seven years. And it's um, expected to be worth $1 trillion in the next seven years, which I cannot even imagine how much money that is. And if you look at how direct to avatar economies work, it's all around bypassing humans entirely and buying and consuming through the avatars themselves. So if you look at this tendency of Gen Z wanting to interact and engage with their avatars more, then I think the whole thing goes hand in hand. There are lots of people who want to be online. There are lots of them who want to express themselves online and even more who wants to have more control over how they express themselves. So this is all coming down to how your avatar looks like. What does your avatar wear? What do they buy, consume and do? So yes, I do think that this audience specifically will be a great adopter of platforms like I've been talking about. In your opinion, is this what the metaverse will be? 
Oh, the metaverse world. All right. So uh, people who invite me to conferences, which kind of discusses this topic, they, they stop doing it because they realize that I'm not the best person to ask because I personally, I'm against labels and not against because that's even worse, perhaps. I don't really care about labels. The the metaverse as a, as a definition or as, an, as a concept is an interesting thing, but I'm much more interested what is the underlying social phenomenon like the behavior of consumption, socializing, playing and working on digital platforms that are ideally at some point more connected than today. I find that and analyzing and describing that much more important than, you know, trying to describe what the metaverse is, because many people try to define it. Companies, I'm not going to name names, are trying to monopolize on it. But I think they're all missing the actual point. What is actually happening in society? How should we adapt to these changes? How can we make it better than what we have today? How can we make it more transparent? How can we make it more democratic and equal? People throw around words around inclusivity and diversity in the metaverse, but I never really actually see a real implementation or execution of it. I think that we all always stuck on the level of labels and kind of words that we like to throw around. Even Gen Z, unfortunately, became a buzzword because it has been so uh, revisited throughout the last couple of years. So I personally don't know what the metaverse is and I don't really care. What I care about is what people want and they want more control. They want more democratic approaches. They want more power and freedom. And I think as a builder of a platform, I have to answer to their needs, not necessarily to, you know, what trendy words we try to describe uh, generational tendencies with. I don't know if that gave you an answer. Probably didn't. But that's why people don't like to ask me that question anymore. No, I think it's a very refreshing answer. And it's clear you have such a wealth of knowledge on this topic. And the fact that you are looking at it deeper and what the actual consumers behind these platforms actually want and need. I think that's amazing. But now it's definitely time to speak about your platform and what you're doing. So tell me about how this all started and yeah, what it is that you exactly are wanting to achieve. Absolutely. I think we actually covered quite a, quite a lot of topics that will lay the ground for what we work on with my startup. So we started a call with discussing how to call it Genera. I would also like to highlight that our players have also special name, poor people. They're called generators. And I think um, it already kind of shows what our mission and vision is. And that is to democratize virtual self-expression, but through communities to cherish creativity in a nutshell in our platform anyone can access it currently it's a downloadable version but we're actually really excited because at the end of this month we will send out a huge update and that will hopefully enable a global audience to access general in their browser so again taking one more step further in kind of removing the inaccessible, you know, kind of complications of digital platforms. And basically in our platform, you can unlock uh, outfit templates, a different kind of design tools. We carefully crafted them in a world-leading game engine. They're all real-time. They're all really easy to use, really fun to use. And basically you can co-create digital outfits that we prepare for our players. And then so far... We have a really exciting roadmap on what you can do with this because 
I find uh, I find gamers a really interesting segment. Um, there are many many gamers who are more interested in non-lethal lifestyle oriented uh, lifestyle oriented gaming, but they are underserviced. They don't have many opportunities to play with things where it's really all about just like Sims Four, where you can like groom someone and and make them look good and do stuff. So kind of. Um, this audience inspired me to really think about how our platform can offer new solutions for people coming to us. And we have established the word building tool where you can create your own showcase spaces, put the outfits that you co-created there, and then kind of like promote this experience and share visuals of it. So that's kind of our approach to promote how you can treat our game as a well, as a game, but throughout our testing and our alpha access that we opened up in December, we couldn't help but notice that people are really enjoying creating outfits in our platform. They love the tools, the infinite amount of digital materials. They can paint, they can put stickers on the outfits, they can hide half of the outfit or set it on fire in a, in a very fashionable sense. Uh, but their biggest question to ask is, okay, so where can I take this? I want to wear this. And me as a researcher, me as a lecturer, I've been researching the notion of wear for a long, long time. Today, we talked about what digital fashion is. Well, we didn't expand too much on the notion of wear, but I think that it's after talking so much about the director of our economy, it's quite clear that people are really eager to showcase their creations on their avatars in a number of platforms. So naturally, our players today are really eager to understand when and how can they do this. So this is how we crafted our roadmap for this year. There will be really exciting opportunities to, after co-creating the outfits that we source from really interesting designers or fashion brands, our players will be able to take these outfits and wear them as filters on their phone so in a digital manner, or take them to direct to avatar platforms and wear them on their avatars. I know this sounds very exciting because currently there are not many platforms on the market that are approaching this topic just yet. And no one really cracked the actual seamless user flow here because we have to remember that interoperability, another buzzword, is actually a really important thing to keep in mind. For those non-tacky people out there, um, they often ask me, isn't it easy to just move an outfit from one platform to the other? It's all based on some kind of code, right? And I'm like, yes, but not really, because every platform has its own file format, its own pipeline, its own preferences, and it's really technical. Even those games that are open for anyone to bring their own outfits in has a really incredibly technical pipeline. So technical that companies hire studios to help them do this. So I saw firsthand a number of individuals who tried and failed, sadly, because they are so high in technical barrier. So our approach as a platform, after facilitating our players' experience of creating outfits in a playful, easy, and fun manner, will be to try to close that gap between our platform and a number of selected platforms as our first kind of pilot partners as much as we can. I cannot promise that it's going to be seamless, but I think um, looking at our technical capabilities and the game engine we are using, we have a high chance of being 
very close to other platforms so we can facilitate a much more seamless user journey than today out there you can find. So in a nutshell, in our platform, people will be able to unlock outfits, co-create them and take them and wear them in other platforms. So hopefully this year we can become the wardrobe creator of the metaverse or of this digital landscape always accessible for everyone for free, always fun and enjoyable to use and led by its community because we built mm-hmm. a product roadmap that answers to our players' demands. So if many of them inform us on a certain desire that they would like to see in our platform, we have a very quick turnaround or one to two months where we can actually develop that feature and implement it into the game. So our whole business and product model is built around being led by our community. So really, truly putting that democratic approach into the focus of the platform that I mentioned before. Mm. First of all, I really love how it's centered around play and fun. And that's kind of the main goal of your platform. And secondly, I think, yeah, you've absolutely hit the nail on the head with that kind of missing piece for all these digital fashion pilots and brands that are popping up is that ability to wear your digital garments that you've bought or created on different platforms and take them with you across your digital identity, across social media or any other digital platform you use. So the fact that you're close to be able to unlock this is really exciting. And I think that really is the game changer. And it's where people are going to go from seeing it. Yeah, they're actually going to see the value in digital fashion. So that's so exciting. But I did want to ask you, what is the biggest in building this platform what's the biggest challenge that you have faced? And this can be from a technical software standpoint or just a digital fashion adoption standpoint. Oh, yeah, absolutely. There are many, many. (laughs) So if anything, here is where I, again, struggle to pick the the well, the biggest one. Um, but again, I think a startup journey, especially in this experimental landscape in such early stages, it, it's kind of a given that it's going to be more challenges than, um, than uh, well, uh, development. But it's fine because I wouldn't have chosen something simpler anyways. So, well, technically, there are a lot of challenges because we wanted to provide a really high quality experience for our players. So the platform is uh, very realistic. We have um, bespoke cloth physics. We have different kind of simulation systems that enable the outfits to react to movement, uh, which I think are quite fun. But technically, to make sure that this high quality platform with its materials, with its design capabilities and the simulations run smoothly on all kinds of devices, is staying true to our motto, which is accessibility for everyone. Because if you think about people will use this on some sort of device, not on the mobile yet, because that's even a bigger challenge, but I'm talking about their laptops. Um, They have all kinds of hardware, all kinds of capacities. And if we would uh, restrict our users to have some kind of high-spec PC, uh, then it would be a really kind of an accessible experience. So for us, I think one of the biggest challenges was to make sure it can run on all kinds of devices. And as I mentioned, our second kind of step towards increasing accessibility will be to completely move to browser, which then means that you don't have to download it um, and you can access this platform anytime 
Um, and with our solution system, you will be able to run it on a really high specs PC if you want to, not yours, but the one that we will stream from. So I think that kind of technical challenge uh, is one of our biggest motivators on how we can make this more and more accessible. And it's truly a learning curve for my whole team. But the other thing is really currently one of our biggest challenges is kind of showing our players what you can actually do, which is surprising because I was so proud of saying, yes, we redesigned interactions, we reinvented how you create outfits, and now everyone will do it. And our uh, kind of conclusion is that what they do it or they try, but they actually don't know how to. So that's something I didn't skip it, but I think it's something where, again, it's a big learning curve for us on how to approach a general audience who is not used to creative decision making. How can you inspire them to get lost in the software and truly explore its capabilities? How can you show them what they can do? What we had to learn is that everyone has different levels of aesthetical refinement. Um, everyone is creative and I think it's a beautiful thing to bring that out from them but I could see from uh, the creations of our users already that they have just different levels of uh, capabilities or affinity for this so what we are currently trying to solve with different kind of strategies is how to inform our players on how to actually play the game and how much freedom they have because even I after five months of core development find new strategies and solutions in the game that I didn't even know that that combination exists and I'm just honestly kind of like surprised and entertained by this let alone those who tried it only one time so the big update that's coming the end of this month will have a lot of onboarding features that will help our users to truly exploit the potential of the platform and I think this is a wonderful challenge because the more we kind of fine-tune our ears to our audience, the more we try to listen on what the problems are or their issues are, the better we can make our platform. And I think this is how we can achieve truly a good product market fit. And I think this is a good example for other companies as well. I know it's a bit more risky and experimental. You cannot always wait for the user's feedback and then develop the platform. But I think this could be a new type of disruptive kind of product roadmap or product strategy model where you do... Uh, care and when you are able to listen to our, your players and kind of iterate and integrate their feedback. So the technical challenge along with our actual players experience in the game together is a really interesting learning curve and I cannot wait to see how we will tackle these in 2023. Mm. I think it's really interesting what you're saying because it's really reflective of the whole digital fashion space as it is just evolving day by day and it's very much a learning as you go process with the whole market of digital fashion and I also think it's really amazing that you're touching on the fact that it is being built by the community and by the people who are already interested in the space and it's kind of be like being tailored to them and that's why it's hard to really define what the future of digital fashion is but I think the the way that you're going and the way that you're building it for the actual users it's very exciting and yeah I mean you clearly have so much knowledge on this I wish I could I feel like you could come on and speak about every different topic in <laughs> such detail so maybe we'll have to do that but um unfortunately we don't have all the time in the world which is sad but I wanted to ask you some closing questions so the first one which I'm sure as we've touched on, is really hard to define. But where do you think the future of fashion is going or where do you hope it's going? 
Absolutely. Um, well, I will try to be uh, concise. It's hard for me because there is so much to talk about. Um, the future of fashion. Um, I personally think there are kind of three, four core trajectories that I keep my eyes on. One is user-generated content creation and how um, a global audience will kind of uh, be more and more eager to become co-creators. And that's from the user's perspective, but I'm also very curious uh, to look at the business perspective, how brands can adapt to this, how fast they can catch up to this trend. Are they able to open up their kind of ears and are they able to facilitate this uh, by not being corrupted? Uh, for example, you know, many brands are protective to their DNA to who's designing their assets. But I think because of this, they are quite narrow-minded often. They miss out on this wonderful opportunity where they can just literally connect with their current or new audiences in a new and revolutionary way. So there's definitely one future trajectory to keep your eyes on. The other thing is obviously um, decentralization and Web3. We have seen quite a lot of different um, kind of um, trends and kind of uh, positive and negative tendencies in the last couple of years, and especially in 2022. But I think that the true value and uh, potential is just about to come out. It's still kind of in the shadows because there was a trend. There is still a little bit of a trend. But I think the real utility that decentralization can offer for fashion is just about to get started, to be kicked off. If you look at what... Um, decentralization and, for example, tokenization of digital asset can mean for a creator, which in my perspective anyone can be, is essential to understand what can it bring in terms of value, how it can authenticate and reinforce the ownership of the creator and help them to monetize on it in this user-led uh, economy where they can trade between each other. So how Web3 and decentralization at large will truly kind of reveal itself in the fashion landscape is definitely a must-watch. Um, and then probably fashion and gaming. This has been always ongoing. Uh, we have seen a lot of collaborations in the last five years on fashion tapping into gaming, gaming tapping into fashion. But I think, again, I'm spoiled by looking, you know, through my startup lenses, fashion gaming is a new and emerging landscape where there will be games or fashion creation experiences or whatever you want to call it, something with experience and gaming, where we can cater finally those audiences who have been looking for non-lethal lifestyle oriented games, but they couldn't find any. And I think fashion gaming or gamified uh, retail experiences, for example, will be a really interesting phenomenon. I already have my eyes on a couple of startups that my friends are building and I think it will be really interesting to see how these evolve and how they will become mass adoptive platforms um, perhaps that three thing is my key highlights yes yeah it's so interesting honestly I feel like I've learned so much just from this conversation so I really cannot thank you enough for explaining and I'm so excited to see how this all evolves and how your platform grows so where can people um use your platform and learn more about yourself and what you're doing. Absolutely. So, of course, we have our website. I encourage anyone to visit. I need to spell it because otherwise nobody will find it. So it's gn 3ra.io genera.io please go visit read all about us we have our zine um, out there for public use so you can read about our launch um, our launch collaboration that we have done with the Royal College of Art which is a wonderful art and design university you can read about our latest drop 
uh, where we invited seven emerging designers to give us their bespoke outfits that you can play with. And most importantly, at the end of January, we will open up for a global access. Right now, we have an invitation-only offer. So if anyone is interested, then they can reach us on our social channels, on Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, and TikTok, and they can ask for access. Uh, but from the end of January, that will be not necessary anymore, and you can directly log in and play with our platform online on our website. So I would like to encourage everyone to keep an eye out for that. We have a newsletter. Uh, you can sign up on our website, and we are sending out newsletters every two weeks. And of course, uh, they will have also the latest updates on what kind of updates are coming, what kind of competitions we have. We have a really cool Discord channel where people can share their creations with each other. So we're trying to be present everywhere. So I hope that people who are interested can find us on the channel of their liking. Amazing. Well, thank you so, so much. I'm very, very impressed. And yeah, so happy I got the chance to speak to you today. Oh, thank you for having me. And thanks for the questions. I hope I managed to share a couple of insights. I'm a little bit weird and crazy person, but honestly, I think it's a good thing because um, I think you need this to be able to adapt in this quickly changing landscape and listen to what the community is looking for. No, exactly. And it's very, very inspiring as well. So thank you so much. Thank you. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.